Welcome to the Decisions That Matter podcast, where we meet with leaders from across the procurement community to discuss innovative and strategic ideas. Because when it comes to procurement, every decision matters. Good morning and welcome. My name is Jenna Gold. I am the director of partner engagement for Procurated. And if you don't already know, Procurated is a ratings and review platform for public sector. So it is the only ratings and review platform out there for public sector. So that's education, K through 12 universities, as well as state and local governments that are looking for suppliers. They go to Procurated, they type in what they want, kind of like on a Yelp or TripAdvisor. They get a list of different suppliers and then they have star ratings and reviews associated with those as well. I am going to get out of the way here and let our amazing panelists introduce themselves. So let's start with Jamie at Purdue. Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Baker from Purdue University. Um, I work in our procurement services department and I lead a team of category managers that primarily source supplies and services contracts. And once they're sourced, we help with the onboarding and we kind of are contract management through the whole entire life cycle of the agreement. So we're support for both the suppliers and our internal customers. Happy to be here. Thanks, and Carol. Good morning, everyone. My name is Carol Monroe. I'm with the Department of Education for the state of Michigan. I am a department analyst working in the procurement area of the Office of Financial Management. So we do a lot of things uh, related to procuring goods and services for the Department of Education with the ultimate benefit of the students of the state of Michigan. Kevin Walters, Michigan Department of Education. I'm very proud to supervise the uh, grants, contracts, and school support unit for the department in Michigan. Came to the department, have been here for a number of years, but prior to that, spent my career, 25 plus years anyway, on the K-12, within the K-12 side of the equation, included time as a teacher, administrator, and school superintendent before coming to the department. So very happy to be here today. Thanks, everyone. So I want to start out with just some basic questions that if I were a supplier just starting to work with school districts or universities, can you talk to me a little bit about two main things? One, where do I go to find out information about how to work with universities and school districts? And two, what is the scheduling like? So, you know, when is the busy season for you all? When should I be reaching out to you and when should I not be? I can start from the university side. So for at Purdue, we always like to say our first stop is our procurement services department. We have a great webpage that kind of has all the answers. There's a dedicated tab for suppliers, a vendor handbook. It has our terms and conditions. It also lets you know what agreements we have in place already. So you can kind of see what we're already contracted under and where maybe there be some need for others. Also on that page is a bid and opportunities spot. So that's the first stop for new suppliers. They can see what we're looking for that we might not have agreement for already. And also there too, we have a help desk. So we have, you know, email, phone number and everything you can reach us from that website. So that's a good place to answer a lot of your questions. You'll see my team and some of our other sourcing agents and like the categories that we actually manage. So you can actually get to a live person by phone or email and actually, you know, target into the right person you're looking to talk to. I think from a university perspective, at least at Purdue, we operate on a fiscal year. So we're getting ready to end right now and we kick off July 1. So right now is a slower period for us from buying just because budgets are getting depleted and kind of level setting. But other than that, we really don't stop where research goes calendar around whether students are on campus or not. So buying doesn't really 
depend on certain months. It just right now is kind of our slow time just because it's the end of our fiscal year. Speak a little bit to the district level in Michigan. Similar things that Jamie explained relative to fiscal year. Fiscal year for school districts in Michigan starts uh, July 1 and runs through the, uh, the following June 30th. So we're in the same situation. They're winding down their budget years they're preparing in Michigan. They have to have a budget approved by their board by the 30th of June every year. So we are in budget season, heavily involved in budget season. But similarly, contracts are going year-round, especially now with the influx of federal funding, with the uh, ESSER funds and the American Rescue Plan funding. It has really, what would typically be a slow period now, is uh, really cranking up for uh, Michigan districts and districts across the United States because they're all competing for the same products generally and services and these things as they're getting budgets approved to spend that funding. To get access, uh, there are a couple of ways in Michigan. We're a local control state, so some of our districts actually do their procurement and bidding and requests for proposals out on their own. I did share a bid for Michigan where districts can actually use the Michigan site to advertise those things. The best uh, bet, I think, as far as getting toward those items are to work with educational organizations. In Michigan, we have a group of educational organizations that represent, as an example, elementary and middle school principals high school, secondary principal, superintendents, the school boards, our business officials, school business officials, all of those folks have their own footprint and have access to hundreds of thousands of members in the state of Michigan where they uh, collect those things as well. So similar things to what happens in uh, Jamie's world relative to the K-12 world in Michigan, but certainly lots of opportunities there, particularly now with this federal funding. And so you brought up a good point about kind of who that core audience is for this group of suppliers, right? So this is there we have pest control here, we have tutorial services, we have food services on this call right now. It's often not the person who's purchasing who's going to be the end user or the user of that product. What does that mean for a supplier? How do they appeal? You know, who are they marketing to? What types of things do they need to take into account when it, you know, when it comes to having a middle person that they need to also appeal to? And I think that's a very good point. As an example, for your food service folks, we have an established group. Most of the bidding and the procurement processes are going to be handled by business and finance folks in the district, right? They're going to be processing the logistics of those things. But their point of contact to assist them in developing those things are going to be program specific. So those would be, as an example, your pest control are going to be your maintenance and custodial folks. Your food service are going to be generally your food service directors or those that are charge with those. If you're doing curriculum type things and professional development for professional staff, that's going to fall in the curriculum and instruction realm. If you're doing strictly financial business things, obviously that'd be in the business uh, area. So again, for Michigan, all of those items are covered uh, to be able to do that. I would say Purdue operates similar to what Kevin just described. You know, we, the stakeholders that are owning the agreement or, you know, in charge of what the service is that needs to be done, like we have food service and, you know, our grounds and maintenance the same way Kevin described. One thing at Purdue, how we divide it up, you know, there's thresholds to what the bid amount is. So if it's over $10,000, that's going to run through my procurement services department. So it will be a centrally bidded thing. But if it's under that, it can be handled at the department level or the college level. So the college is similar to like we explained, like it's several little businesses, although we're all on campus, everyone has their own funds and budgets and have people to do that. So if it's under $10,000, they're allowed to obtain those quotes themselves and determine what the best route is to move forward. I also just want to point out, I know everyone has been talking about the local level, but I did want to also inform the audience that 
there is opportunity at the state level as well. So you can also look for the availability of solicitations that have been posted to bid through the state system or Sigma self-service, which if you go to the state of Michigan's website, it's just a few clicks away from their main site. There has actually been a revamp of the website, so it's a little bit easier to navigate. But if you are looking for other avenues to apply for, to submit bids for particular solicitations, it's another way to get access to that. We also have the um, Michigan Supplier Community Program, which is another way that a small business can get access to solicitations. There is opportunity at the state level. Our fiscal year runs October 1 to September 30th. So it is a little bit different from the uh, university side of things or, and from the local district side. I love that you brought up the, again, they call it the MISC program. It's similar to other states may have geographically disadvantaged programs as well as hub programs, whatever they may be called in any given state. Um, Another great way for you to be found if you meet any of those requirements or have any of those certifications, first of all, definitely get the certification. And a lot of times people in these states, I know Michigan in particular is using it to, using Procurated to actually come and find those particular businesses and find reviews on them as well. With that said, can you all talk a little bit about, as a supplier, what could I do to go above and beyond and help you in the process choose me? You know, is it reviews? Is it um, something else that I'm not thinking about that would be really helpful for them to already have prepared for you? Yes, definitely. Uh, One of the most important things that I want to stress is that register with the state as a vendor. That's one of the first things that should be done because it will give you the opportunity to have access to solicitations uh, relative to what that's aligned to what your business or organization's services that they provide. The other thing I would suggest you to to do is think about when you register with Sigma Vendor Self-Service, you also are registering into the Michigan supplier community. So you're getting a two for one in a way. But one of the things is, is that when you look at the requests for proposals that that are posted online, read through them carefully because there are some nuances. Do not feel that you may not qualify because you're a small business or because you're veteran owned. We are looking for those type of uh, businesses. We're trying to attract them or attract these type of businesses because we want that inclusivity. So it's just being really thorough in reading these proposals and then submitting your questions because all of them do ask for specific, you know, please provide us with questions or concerns that you may have with the bid proposal that we've provided. So there is opportunity there. It's just about the carefulness of how you read and analyze the document that is proposing the service that we wish to acquire. Correct. And this is a good point that Carol brings up, you know, the thoroughness having reviewed, and I know uh, we review these RF at the state level. And of course, I've, I've done this for, you know, 30 plus years reviewing, uh, Uh, what's submitted. And it is uh, at times very difficult to understand what 
you are proposing to provide. So when Carol talks about thoroughness and reading the RFP and understanding how that fits for your company or your, you know, your approach, it's going to be important that you answer the questions, number one, because what people may not realize is these are all scored based on a rubric of how you're answering the questions and information and detail. And are you aligning the responses to the RFP to the questions that we put out that we want you to answer? whether I'm a district, whether I'm the state, uh, I mean, Jamie can speak to them, but I'm sure these are pretty similar things. And to relative to the, the question is you want to make sure you're thorough enough not to leave any doubt, right? Not that we can't reach back out and ask questions, but there seems to be at times as we review these, you can tell definitely somewhat early in the review process, whether uh, individuals did their homework, whether they took the time to actually put these things together. I don't want to speak for Carol or Jamie, but I know that we look at things that are formatted incorrectly or kind of thrown together. I mean, be careful to have someone else take a look at that as you're submitting it to make sure that those things are making sense. Because in that process, particularly if it's, and again, anytime it's an RFP, you're talking about a competitive process, right? We know that. So you're competing against other vendors who provide the same service goods or supply that you do. So it's very important to, as Jenna said, to stand out. Um, my sense in reviewing these, and, and I'll let uh, Jamie and Carol add their uh, opinion to that, but my sense is always that when you see a proposal that you know that they took the time, that it's well done, that it's aligned with those questions, those are the proposals that stand out clearly. And I can also say from my experience, those that do not take that time and do not reference those things and align what they're doing are, are unfortunately easily, uh, you know, pushed to the side and not competitive in that process. And I do want to stress everyone, the importance of reaching out. We are open to your questions. And if you look at the majority of RFPs, they give you a period of time to ask those questions and we provide you with responses. And we are looking for you to do that because we know that sometimes the information we provide may need more clarification, depending on the services or whatever the good is that we're providing, may need more clarification so you can make a better determination whether or not you align with what we are requesting. So just keep that in mind too. Also, the I'm gonna wanna go back really quick to the MISC program because that also allows for you, if you are a, a company, but you want to just stick with smaller bids, 50,000 or under, the MISP program is a good way for you to get noticed. Because by registering for that, we as the state of Michigan will source. And if, we, if you're registered in these areas, there's a better likelihood that we will see you. So I just want you to be aware, it doesn't have to be a million dollar uh, bid that you're you are, you are um, requesting. It could be something as small as 50,000 or even less than that. But by you registering for, at these different locations, Sigma VSS primarily, um, and then the MISC program as a supplement, you will um, get better noticed on the state level. I wanna let Jamie answer, and then there is a question that pertains to this, so I will jump over to it. Sure. I just, um, you know, Kevin and Carol both answered that perfectly. I think they, you know, we are the state, the same. So um, for Purdue, you would have to be registered with the state of Indiana. 
and like I said, the RFPs, the Q&A is the most important part. Never make assumptions. We want questions. We expect them. That kind of helps us validate that we provided the right information. So I think what they said, it's, it's the same for Purdue. But take your time. There is a timeline. You know, the questions are at the beginning. So we, we really hope people, when they see those RFPs, we make them as public as we can and give people as much heads up as we can that they're coming or where to look on our site. But yeah, to, those first couple of weeks are crucial to get out there and understand it and ask the questions. So we have a really good question pertaining to this topic, and I've heard it over and over again, especially from smaller suppliers, but it's probably something that everyone goes through. So Jeffrey was talking about how his company does elevator services, including maintenance and repairs. And it can be confusing to figure out where to even look for some of these things, because some people use uh, bid boards like Bonfire, while other people need to contact procurement. And I know every school is different, so that's a tough question. And every school district is probably different. Do you have any advice on how to find exactly where they should be going to find these opportunities? I know for Purdue, for Purdue any of our um, bids or opportunities are published through our procurement site. There's a tab and it'll take you to those bids and opportunities. You know, ours is for goods and services, but like our capital works or public works work the same way. We might not have listed them on our site, but we'll give you a link to their site so you can see what they're offering as well. And I would say that's very similar for the uh, K-12 side, the school side in Michigan. They do have an option, the bid for Michigan, if I put that early in the chat, maybe put that q and I'm not sure where, if I put it incorrectly, but sometimes you'll notice there are a number of range of things in that bid for Michigan that local districts can utilize that to advertise and do those things. But I agree with Jamie, for the most part, many of our districts, particularly the larger districts, have their own business and procurement uh, site that you can go to and it'll list those bids. Um, so the best part, I mean, I would say regionally, looking at those things regionally, looking at the intermediate, we have uh, intermediate school districts. There's 56 of those in Michigan that handle the 800 to 900 uh, local uh, independent districts uh, to do that. Um, that's always a great resource because many times they'll utilize the intermediate district, some of those 56. So we've got access. Uh, most times it's like a county. As an example, Wayne County, even though you have Detroit Public School Community District with 55,000 students. Wayne Risa, the actual intermediate district, would encompass all of those things and maybe a resource regionally to see what's going on, who's bidding or who's doing those things. But there is no connectivity right now to how they do those things, unfortunately, Jeffrey. That's a very good question. Another great question we got from Sheila is, what if there isn't an RFP for your particular service? Is there a specific way to advertise or inform folks about your offerings? Yeah, I think uh, I, when I talk about, you know, I was just at the Michigan School Business Officials Annual Conference in Michigan uh, here a couple of weeks ago, and man, hundreds and hundreds of vendors are there. There's opportunities for folks to get there and get access to that setting about 12 or, you know, between 12 and 1300 district representatives from the state of Michigan who are doing these RFs and procurement things. Those opportunities, as I said, with these educational organizations, that would be a great first step to kind of see, do you have a vendor portal? Do you have somewhere where I can share that information so people know, particularly if there aren't RFPs for a product that you are uh, uh, proposing or uh, uh, aligned with, uh, getting that information out in that forum and getting access. It's like, again, it's about getting access. How do you get access to, you know, very rarely are you going to get access to 1200 plus people in one setting 
Uh, but those opportunities are there and it takes a little time and effort, obviously, to do that and maybe rent a table or a space to be able to do that. But the amount of to get that uh, information out is probably the best way to do that. I was going to say I, that works the same for us too. You know, now that we are kind of in this virtual world, I feel like our team is, it's, it's easier to connect with people than instead of having to like set up time to meet in person and stuff. So we are, we're very open to always meeting with suppliers to understand what they're offering. Even if we don't have a need for them right now, it's good to connect. Like I mentioned, like on our website, we have a help desk and what seems to work, people will just reach out and say, Hey, I'm X, Y, and Z. This is my category. Who can I talk to about my services? And we'll route that to the right person on the team. And we try to be very transparent and connect and we'll be honest, like, you know, we don't have a need right now, but we, we might have questions and we always kind of let you know. So we, we're very conscious that you will get a, a proper response back from us. So you're not wondering or you're following up and stuff like we, we always want to make sure that you understand where Purdue stands and, you know, what to expect from us or when, when the contract is expired and when you're going to have the next opportunity. We always want to set people up for that because we're always open to working with new suppliers. I should state that on the state level, um, there are some restrictions for procurement professionals as far as interacting with vendors specifically directly because you do not want to show there shouldn't be favoritism. What I do tell vendors to do is where to go and how they can get noticed. Our procurement professionals can listen to a vendor's pitch, the type of services that they provide. However, we cannot solicit independently on behalf of an agency. So I just want to make that clear. I, you know, unsolicited submissions to the state may not garner you the best opportunity, but the registering at the sites that I've mentioned will get you the opportunities. Not to say that we will not listen, but I do want you to be aware that we are limited. This is a really great point and a topic that comes up all the time, and I have to plug Procurated right now. There are very limited ways for people to get in touch with procurement professionals, and the great thing about Procurated is that you having reviews on your page, that's a great way to start building up your referrals in a place where these procurement professionals are already going to find vendors when they need you. Something to think about, talk to your current and past clients from education, state and local even federal, if you have some of those clients and ask them to review you on Procurated so it's there and you start building your presence. So when people find you, they have something to read from your past customers. All right. I have another question. What certification or qualification does a textbook need to have to be accepted by a university or school district? That's an interesting question. The uh, each in, I know in Michigan, each individual district that adopts textbooks have their own process uh, for doing that. So they, you, again, there is no certification or qualification necessarily I'm aware of in Michigan relative to the textbook that there's certainly no statewide endorsement of any uh, textbook. I know some states do that. Michigan does not. Those would all be up at, to the discretion of the local districts to review those. The districts have processes where they not only review the textbooks, but prior to adoption, they are available as an example in the Board of Education Office or Administrative Office, I know in Michigan for a period of time so that uh, their public can come and review those books, those textbooks, or any uh, supplemental uh, material that are being adopted before the board actually adopts those. But I'm not aware of any certification, unless Jamie, uh, unless you're aware of anything. No, ours is kind of just being at the university, the professors have the discretion to have what they want. We actually don't have any official textbook provider agreements in place. We have 
local bookstores, but they're not affiliated with Purdue. Another question we have is, do, do school districts and universities use any of the national co-ops for purchasing? Yes, we do. I think our main categories that we do a lot, so what we consider enterprise-wide, like furniture, MRO, produce big and research, so scientific, um, office supplies, we have direct contracts with those suppliers, but some of the, the where our lower spend is at, where it's not, we might need something, but we don't really need a contract. We're always exploring co-ops and we're, we're part of those for different ones. We go through ENI or Omnia, or I think the ones that are probably the main ones that Purdue has, um, you know, will be join those co-op agreements. So yeah, we're always looking on those sites and we have relationships with both of those co-ops and they're, you know, we're reviewing spend and constantly have a pulse on, you know, what else they're sourcing. I'll let Carol, she'll, she'll speak to the statewide because it's a little bit different, I think, co-op-wise there. But I know locally for districts, there's there's a number of co-op opportunities I mentioned earlier about the regional. Um, we For a lot of the supplying, there's a regional uh, educational media center, REMC is kind of the shortened uh, term for that, uh, that uh, has a statewide cooperative uh, competitive bidding attached to it too. So similarly, Districts are going to look for those opportunities. Those co-ops do exist for, for the, uh, the purchasing. They do vary for school districts, but they are available. Can you talk a little bit about what happens after the award of a contractor? Once the supplier is working with the university or the school district, what are kind of best practices for how to you know, stay on top of things? What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm happy to go first on this one. Those types of activities live within my team. Um, you know, we, depending on the level of, you know, spend or if they're embedded in campus is like a, you know, a, a third part, we're outsourcing some of our service to them. We meet quarterly. We have quarterly business reviews where we're reviewing spend and opportunities. Um, we get feedback from our internal clients. You know, what are the trends or kind of forecasting? We have a lot of our suppliers that we require them to send out surveys afterwards. Um, we're actually using Procreated for this, where we have everyone on campus that they can, if they want to leave feedback, that they're going to the sites on Procreated to leave that feedback. And a lot of our suppliers, like we, it just depends on the need, but we might be meeting, you know, monthly or, you know, bi-monthly. If there's a big project bi-weekly, just kind of having status calls. So we're really involved and we never want to just sign a contract and forget about it. We're, we're going to be reaching out. If you're not hearing from us, I would be surprised just to kind of check in. And, you know, we want the check-in, you know, two-way street to make sure we're all, we're both successful. I'll jump in now. Once a contract gets executed on the state level, we actually have mechanisms in place to monitor that contractor's progress throughout the service. So we are always in contact with um, our contracted vendor, whether that be through the program manager who handles the day-to-day -day activities of that contract or the contract administrator, which is usually the procurement professional to answer any more detailed questions regarding the, the parameters of the contract terms itself. But we are always in contact. You will never not hear from us once a contract is executed. Also, this information regarding how a contractor performs is also distributed among agencies so that if you're doing well, others will know about it and will it will bolster your profile as far as when we are going out to look for different commodities, goods or services. We also ask that our contracted vendors 
contact us when they have questions. Do not feel that you will be abandoned because that is not the case at all. The state constantly monitors the progress of contracts. I think we may have already touched on this, but I wanna make sure we're clear on this question. So if there is, just to clarify, if there's no RFP for a particular product, for example, a textbook, is it okay to contact universities or school districts directly to market the product? Absolutely, that happens all the time. I know in school districts, and there are a number of things I also that in Michigan anyway, and it's, it's similar in other states uh, I'm aware as well, but in Michigan, I know I was a teacher, again, as I said, an administrator and a superintendent at all three of those steps, we had opportunities where we would invite vendors in, particularly if we were having a large textbook adoption. I was in a large district and they had a seven-year cycle of textbooks as an example specific to this question. So we were constantly, right? It was a seven-year cycle of, of renewing textbooks. So we were constantly in that cycle. So we were always looking for vendors to come in and present information. We would establish those things. The best bet from a school district standpoint, if it's a textbook, to certainly get in contact with the curriculum and instructional departments. They're easy to find, and most of them have their own web page with contact information to be able to inquire or ask if there are any opportunities that are available, because those things may come up more regularly than what you would think for districts. So I would definitely, that's the route I would use for the district level contact. And just for the, the university side, it's okay to reach out and let us know, but like, just to clarify what I said earlier, you know, we're happy to gain new suppliers, but if we are under contract, we'll let you know that, but then we'll let you know when the next bid is, or if it's a request for quote, we can put you on a list. If you want to be notified when things come up, like we wouldn't be able to just start working with you just by connecting with us. Like we have to have a need and you'll have to, you know, be competitively sourced, but it's good to, you know, make the connection. So we know what options are out there. What about, I'm going to take a question, make it a little bit more broad. What about a services company or how do they, okay, so for example, textbook is kind of more straightforward, but so if I'm an interior design service, right, how do I know exactly who I should be reaching out to? Do I say, okay, facilities, procurement, you know, how do I, how do I figure out who to actually start with if I'm not, if I'm unsure? I, I would think that anything to do with facilities, particularly interior design work, at least the school district uh, level that, and again, I, I would think it'd be similar to state. There are facility management and probably university too. I see Jamie shaking her head. There's facility uh, and infrastructure departments that are handling those things. I know in Michigan, if you watch any of the, uh, again, around election time, right? I mean, it's it seems kind of, uh, many times people look past this, but as an example, we just in Michigan, completed our primary elections. Now in Michigan, only at the primary time and at the general election time can school districts now go out for bond issues, right? And bond issues are public information of what they're looking for. So as an example, if the bond issue is talking about redesigning and reconfiguring and interior design issues with remodeling or renovating or building new offices, that information is gonna be public and you're gonna have an opportunity to see, and there's a public uh, site in Michigan that actually lists all the successful bond projects, which would give you an opportunity because in Michigan, as an example, they would have their architects and general contractors. You'd have a wealth of information there as a supplier or vendor to be able to just put forth that effort to see those things and, and be able to determine particularly 
are they going to have any of those needs and what is that bidding process so that you at least are aware that it exists, the opportunities are there and what those things look like. And again, I know the question was related to interior design, but it could be any of those other services, obviously. On the state level, there we, we do have um, a lot of our contracts are public facing. So you can actually see yourself if you go to the state website, you can actually see our public faces facing contracts and when they expire, and then you can then go into as uh, if you're a registered vendor with the state, go into our self-service and make sure if this is something that you might be interested in down the road, there are, when you set up your account or if you edit your account, there are areas in that process where you can check off the aligning criteria so that when those contracts come up to bid, you get notified of that. So I can't stress more, and I've said it over and over again, the importance of the vendor self-service uh, registering with the state because it opens up a wide variety of doors for you to see what's going on and also for you to be able to have access through things like the, the My Deal program, which allows, it's an extended purchasing program that entities can go to to see vendors that the state has contracted with and piggyback on those contracts for services that they might need locally. Um, from the university's perspective, you know, if it's most things do flow through our procurement services office, except for like small public works or capital construction programs. And that's kind of similar to what Kevin described. We do have facilities departments, so they kind of mirror the same thing that I've mentioned with procurement. They have their bids and opportunities. You could be added to a list there. And, so they have, we, they have a, a good website, so physical facilities to kind of understand from the interior design question or just anything related to that, architectural engineering firms and such. So this is a fun one. Over the years, we found that professional services, for example, professional development programs for students are not always on the list and are often backdoored offers. What has your experience been with that or what is your advice on that? I don't know if I, I understood that exactly what they were asking. I'm not sure I do either. If you want to clarify your question, please go ahead and send it through. Unless, Kevin, you think you. It sounds like they're, they're looking at professional PD services, uh, particularly executive and leadership development programs for students are not on the list, but are often back. In other words, I'm assuming that means they're not on the list for the RFP listing or the services listing often backdoored. I, I think I know what that means, but I don't want to make any assumption offers that they're finding a way to do the, to award those funds elsewhere and not through the process. Maybe you can clarify that okay. for us. But I would say this, that again, in Michigan, there's a bid threshold. So there isn't an opportunity to backdoor any of those items if you're at that bid threshold, because it's state law and requirement to do that under the bid threshold. It is at the discretion of the local district and they do engage in, and I will say this, a number of programs that we approve annually through our application processes where districts are engaging in these kind of activities with vendors from a wide range of offerings. So I think, again, the best bet is to, again, connect, make that connection with the district so that they are aware that you have a product to offer that could be beneficial to them. And then at that time, the other part too, I will just say is it does help the vendors have an understanding of the funding sources that local districts are working through, right? And, and again, this is that additional step that I would recommend any vendor or supplier or business take that wants to get involved with schools, 
a majority of the school funding is gonna come through federal sources, right? I mean, we know that. So we know programs like Title I, Part A, Title II, Title III, Title IV. Now the ESSER grants, these are elementary, secondary school, emergency relief grants, the American Rescue Plan, right? All of these are federal source. It would help you to understand how they can spend those funds, identify if your service falls into a category that is funded by these uh, items, and then establish, you know, as you establish the relationship, now you've connected that link to be able to say, we are aware. And again, it goes back to that question about how do I make myself stand out that Jenna brought. It was a wonderful lead in here as we started the program. I guarantee you, if you come in and you have some background about the grant funding sources specifically, the district is going to be more aligned, more apt to listen to that and listen and hear you out what you have to offer, right? Instead of just saying, here's my service, I hope it fits, going in and saying, hey, I understand that there's an opportunity for professional development under Title II. You know, we believe this service fits well in these funding, and we see that, you know, you may have opportunities to they have funding in that regard. Now you've brought kind of a more broad, in-depth approach to, you know, other than just saying, hey, I have a product to, to market, if that helps. All right. We are coming on the back end here. Um, I want to ask one last question. What haven't we asked you that you think is absolutely imperative for suppliers to know about working with school districts and higher ed? That we're accessible and don't feel that we're not. Sometimes reaching out, you know, I've had individuals reach out to me, say, I don't know where to go, who to talk to. We're pretty accessible at giving you direction. So don't ever feel that we are not accessible because we're the state of Indiana or Michigan. That is never the case. We are pretty welcoming, I think. <laughs> but I think the accessibility and feeling that we're not accessible can be a barrier. And I just wanted to be clear that we are very accessible. If you don't know, reach out to, you know, someone. Someone will be able to direct you on where to go. And Carol, is that a phone call or is that an email or what is that? Well, if you can, for, for state government, it really depends on the agency and speaking with the Department of Education, go to our website if there is a particular area that you know you have interest in they might steer you back to procurement you can you know you can contact our procurement area but i would start with perusing the website first see what the different uh, services are being provided to the public it'll give you a better direction on who you should contact if you have specific questions but i can't stress again the importance of registering with the state and figuring out in that process what bids or RFPs that you want to see, what solicitations are you interested in, because it does so much good once you're there because it opens up a gateway to other opportunities. Thank you. That's great. Jamie and Kevin, do you have anything you want to add? Just one to add. I think Carol answered that very well put. And I, because like the university, you know, we have professors, we have researchers, we have students, we have business office. So it, they might not seem accessible and it may be hard to know where to go. And they, they may be your end customer, but it's always great just to start a procurement. And, you know, that's our main job is to understand what your need is and help you connect you to the right people. So I, I think Carol answered that very well. I do as well. And I'm not surprised. That's very typical of Carol approach. <laughs> so.
Well, thank you all for your time and sharing your expertise. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Just so you all know, for the attendees here, if you have any follow-up questions, I will be sending out an email shortly with some instructions for claiming your page on for curated and so on. Feel free to respond to me. You can always ask me questions and jump on the phone with you. Thank you so much to all of you panelists. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us and I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Decisions That Matter. This podcast is brought to you by Procurated, the leading supplier evaluation tool for procurement professionals across the U.S. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. See you again next time.